This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this episode, we talk MGZs on their 20th anniversary and news of a brand new MG sports car. The MG Car Club podcast. Hello, Wayne Scott with you with another episode of the MG Car Club podcast. Hope you're well and I've enjoyed a nice Easter. And you might remember on this podcast, we're getting on for eight or nine months ago now, we announced the new concept car from MG Motor, the Cyberster, which they announced as their striking sports concept. And of course, all we saw at that point were drawings of this car and we thought, well, mm, I'll probably never make it. Well, we were wrong because it is due to date debut at the Shanghai Motor Show later this month. It's all very exciting. There's an actual car that exists now for the Cyberster. It was developed here in London in the UK by the MG Advanced Design Centre and is a two-door, two-seater sports car recalling the traditions of MG. And they say draws on a number of styling cues from the classic MGB Roadster. I think you'd need to use your imagination a bit, but uh, it's nonetheless a striking car all the same. They say it's going to feature the classic round MG headlights, a slim grille design and an interactive magic eye headlight that opens when it's switched on. Looking forward to seeing that. Uh, also, they've announced that they've updated the design with a new laser belt LED strip down the side of the car. And they've used a flattened cam tail rear profile for the vehicle as well. And uh, LEDs at the rear that are integrated into a flat panel that they say projects a digital image that echoes MG's British heritage. It's all sounding very intriguing. Carl Gotham, director of SEAC Design in the Advanced Centre in London, uh, said to the media that the Cybersters a bold statement that looks strongly into MG's future, touching on MG's heritage, but more importantly, building on our cutting-edge technology and advanced design. The best bit of the quote, though, is this. He says, sports cars are the lifeblood of the MG DNA, and Cyberster is a hugely exciting concept for us. Well, it's hugely exciting for all of us. Could it be a new MG sports car at last? We've been waiting for it for long enough. The Cyberster's intelligent all-electric architecture is going to enable an EV range, they say, of 500 miles and a 0-62 time of less than three seconds. Wow. In the time of the MGB, that was Formula One territory. They say more information is going to come out at the end of this month when it's unveiled at the Shanghai Motor Show in China between the 21st and the 28th of April 2021. And we hope that the UK Advanced Design Headquarters that employs over 40 designers for MG Motor has done us proud. We'll wait to see the exciting new MG Cyberster concept on the way at the end of this month. We'll bring you all the news, of course, via the news pages at mgcc.co.uk. On this episode and coming up next, though, we're talking MGZs on their 20th anniversary with John Thompson from the Z Register. The MG Car Club podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centers and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.co. 
www.mgcarclub.co.uk Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. On this episode of the MG Car Club podcast, we're talking about an MG model that's celebrating an important anniversary this year. It's 20 years since the MGZs were launched. And of course, we announced earlier on that there's a big event happening for MG fans at Malvern in Worcestershire this August. The 13th to the 15th of August is the Triumph and MG weekend, where the big celebrations of this model will take place. And it's a model we've not covered an awful lot of actually on the podcast up until now so to put that right john thompson joins me from the z register in the mg car club hi john hi wayne nice to talk to you good to have you on john and blimey 20 years ago already it can't seem real surely i know it's almost unbelievable isn't it you know it doesn't seem that long ago that we were celebrating 10 years and 15 years but here we are in 2021 in the 20th anniversary year you know so uh so systems go again for another anniversary event. Absolutely. And and it was a car, the MGZ range, that came at a very pivotal moment, didn't it, in Rover's history. It was the moment when it was all changed. So tell us a little bit about the history of how the Z range came about. When BMW sold Rover Group, um, the there was a management buyout um, of the remaining assets. And um, the four managing directors at the time... Um, renamed their company MG Rover. And um, so almost straight away, that revitalised the MG name um, into the mainstream. Really, they had very little money. It's sort of like um, it's what they could do to revitalise the existing cars they had. Um, so they decided to introduce a, a, a sporty saloon version of their existing Rover 25, 45 and 75 models and developed them over a period of time. And, uh, and then came up with the ZR, ZS and ZT models as additions to the range of the existing Rover range. You can only imagine what it must have been like working at MG Rover then. They must have been. They must have felt like they were staring into an abyss having, as you say, had that management buyout, taken the company back from BMW, and then in the spring of 2001, stood there holding the baby thinking, now what do we do? I remember the first time I saw a Z out on the road. It would have been about spring 2002, I think, and it was a bright, zingy yellow MG ZS. And it was parked outside the Corn Exchange in the city centre of Leeds. And it stopped me dead because there was this car that had kind of looked like it had been zooped up, but it was a factory car. They were a car that really stood out on the street. Yeah, I mean, with the with the launch of the with the Z models, you know, they wanted to make them distinctly different to the existing Rover range. There's certainly a lot more to the Zs than badge engineering. And, you know, with the external finish as well, they wanted colours that set them apart from the existing Rover models and other cars as well. So, you, like you said, you had you had the bright trophy yellow, um, you had the metallic trophy blue, and then you had the solar red, which were like the three colours that MG Rover launched the cars with uh, back in 2001. And, yeah, there was that uh, fantastic chromatic paint as well that was all the rage in the early 2000s, mainly because TVR had started using it on the Tuscan, but MG Rover had a go at it as well. And uh, I think... ZT260s were in that chromatic paint colour, weren't they? And certainly other 260s I've seen were wearing it. It was sort of, it changed from green to purple as you walked around the car. That's right. Um, I mean, MG Rover introduced the monogram scheme, as they called it, in 2003, um, and created a many, many new shades of 
finish for your car. You know, um, you know, like you say, you have you could have the bright metallic paint, which is called supertallic, uh, or you could have the actual flip paint, which changed from like green to purple. You know, there's many many shades that you could choose from um, at the time. You know, when you ordered your car, um, and the theme was also carried on inside the car as well. So you could have so like you could have the sort of like a similar shade on your dashboard and your door faces and things like that as well so they were based on the k-series engine as we know uh they were significantly tuned though as you say it was more than just a different badge on a rover there was a lot went into them especially in those early models there were a lot of changes weren't there uh, what should buyers be aware of when they're looking at one of the z ranges as opposed to a rover that they might find elsewhere if you can find one with with all its paperwork then that's really fantastic you know just to give you an idea of the cut the car's history just check it out thoroughly, you know. So, like, there's um, there, there'll be different issues for the different models of car. Well, there were the early models that were, in many ways, better equipped, weren't they? Because as they went through the model ranges and they developed, of course, the facelift came a number of years later. But with that facelift That's came right. a number of cost-saving measures, shall we say, that did rob some yeah. of those Zeds of some of their little features, didn't it? That's right. I mean, as um, as time went on, the the earlier Earlier Zs, um, the build quality is certainly better than the later ones. I mean, having having, having examples of both myself, um, the Mark One preface lift, if you like, um, is a lot better than sort of like the the uh, Mark Two facelifted models. You know, um, so there was certainly cost saving and sort of like a lot of economising measures to sort of like uh, still produce the cars, but to sort of like save costs at the same time. They are an integral part of the MG Car Club now, and we have done some significant strides to, well, preserve the future of the Z range with the Save Our Zs campaign. And this is the problem they faced, really. They were very popular cars. They sold in good numbers in the early 2000s, but ever since their values have declined, of course, the part supply has dwindled since Rover disappeared on us. And I suppose the scrappage scheme in 2008 that was introduced to bring the automotive industry out of the then recession hasn't helped either so talk us through the save our zeds campaign uh, john and and the work that you're doing to preserve the future of this model we launched the save our zeds campaign uh, two years ago um, and the idea of the scheme was um i mean obviously we know we can't save every single one but it was just just to make people aware of sort of like the uh, the numbers of zeds that were disappearing you know because um because they can be bought relatively cheaply still these days, um, it's you know it's it's you know you can rather than sell a whole car cheaply, it's easier almost if you like to sell the car as spares, you know, and uh, and make more money from it that way. Um, but basically, the scheme was to basically give people an idea of the number of Zs that were being scrapped or being traded in under the scrappage scheme, um, and what we could do as a register to actually not slow the, the dwindling numbers, if you like, um, but make people aware of what they could do to actually hang on to their Zs and, uh, you know, where, where they could take their car to have repairs undertaken. We're encouraging our members to share with other members any garages or workshops in their local area that they take their Zs to that could be recommended to other members who live in a close proximity to them they may not know about you know repairs can be done to your zeds relatively cheaper than would, would be done from a local garage and uh it also to like sh shares the knowledge among the whole 
membership of the register. And is there a knowledge gap, John? Is there a, a, the point now where you're seeing garages unable to work on them because they don't really quite understand how they're put together? Is that, is that an actual problem that you're seeing now? I haven't had that personally, but I, I, I have been told that, you know, if you, if you took your Z to a local garage, you know, and said, oh, this is wrong with my car, can you have a look at it, please? Um, because of the age of the car, because of what it is, they might have difficulty sourcing spares. You know, they might not have the knowledge to actually undertake the repair and ultimately charge the owner more than would be necessary to have that same job if you had it done somewhere else. Instead, enthusiasts know where to take their cars uh, to get the best value for money and the best quality of work. Yes, I know from when I had one, I think the best quote I think I ever had was to change the front discs and pads. And that came in at about 950 quid. <laughs> in the end, of course, yeah. I wheeled it in my own garage and did it over the weekend myself. Thank you very much. But yeah. uh, I mean, we talk about this with MGBs and MGAs, the early cars from the 50s and 60s. And we especially talk about it uh, when we're talking about the pre-war MGs. But it's amazing to think that we're now living in a world where a 20-year-old Z car is struggling to find a garage that understands it. It's incredible, isn't it? And for the most part, parts are available. You know, it's, um, you know, there's sort of like a, a misunderstood uh, aspect that sort of like um, parts aren't available. You know, I mean, I, I, I used to take one of my ZRs to a garage. It took it for years, actually, um, to have it like MOT, so things like that. But the last time I took it there, I actually felt I was overcharged. Um, and they actually said to me on the reception that, you know, we'll try and get these parts for you as cheaply as we can. Um, but ultimately, I do feel as I was overcharged. So I haven't actually been back to that place since. You know, I've, sat, I've found somewhere else much more suitable and appropriate uh, that can do the same work for less cost. Well, of course, this is the beauty of the MG Car Club, isn't it? Because through the Z Register, you can access all of this information. You can get tips from those that have been there before. And as a group of owners, you can rally round and look after each other and keep each other's cars on the roads. That's what club life is all about, isn't it? That's right. I mean, it's, um, you know, I mean, we, we're quite a big register. You know, um, we've got a huge number of members. Of, you know, the Zeds generally have a very large following out there you know and like you say i think every everyone clubs together you know everyone's willing to help each other out because they're enthusiastic about their cars and for us it is an incredibly important model can't stress how important this model is anyone who heard the previous podcast a couple of weeks ago that i did with Gemma will understand just how these are a sort of well i refer to them as a gateway drug to the mg world really they're an affordable way in with a proper badged MG that you can use every day, it's a practical car, and it's a brilliant way of getting younger generations involved with the MG community, isn't it? And through Zeds, they'll very easily discover the rest of the history of the brand going back to pre-war times. That's right. I mean, they can be picked up relatively cheaply at the moment still, you know, and um, and like you say, it's an, it's an ideal way to enter the world of MG, really. Anyone who will come along to our events, you know, will encourage them to you know, join the car club, you know, and once they've actually joined the car club, um, you know, like you say, it opens, opens the door to the whole world of MG generally, you know, all, all of the 90 years history um, of the famous badge. And they cover every aspect of lifestyle. You want a small car that's cheap to run? Brilliant. You've got a ZR. You've got kids and a dog? Fantastic. A ZTT. They cover it all and you can have an MG that lives with you in whichever phase of life you're in and whatever your needs might be in everyday use. 
That's right. You know, it's like you had three different size models, you know, for three different types of uses. The flexibility of the Z range as well. You know, you had you'd had different engines for, for the different models. You know, if you wanted a if you wanted a, a cheap to run run around a town model, you know, you could have a ZR with a one point four engine, you know. Um, and then you also had the diesel option as well, K-Series 1.8-litre engine. If you're really into your performance cars, of course, you can have one with a Mustang engine in, the, that that's wonderful right, you know, V8 um, as well. That's it, the, you know, the ZT260 with the Mustang V8 engine, you know, that's uh, sort of like the range topper for the ZT range, which is also available as the ZTT uh, Tourer version as well. When you look back on it, John, you look at these cars, you look at their sporting pedigree, you look at the different ranges there and 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 the different sort of families and lifestyles that they could all accommodate it's amazing that on its own it didn't save the mg brand forever really what do you think went wrong in the end for mg and the zeds i think ultimately there wasn't enough investment um back into the business you know i think any money really um that was being made uh, was maybe squandered elsewhere um, and wasn't really put into the development of the company. There's people out there who will know more about this than I do. Um, but my understanding is that, you know, the four people in charge weren't really thinking long-term. They were just thinking here and now and really what could get them through from one day to the next, which is a shame, really, because, you know, the, the cars they were producing are fantastic cars. You know, um, the MG versions of the Rover 25, 45 and 75 re-injected sales back into the company. At one stage, the Z versions of the cars were outselling their Rover versions by 10 to 1. The development of the Zs was key to MG Rover at that time. Uh, and it's a shame that the development didn't continue and further models weren't produced. Well, anyone listening to this who might write off the Z Rangers, well, those modern cars, well, it is an incredibly important part of the MG's history now and is an important part of the history that we should all protect. Something to celebrate now and celebrate we will, as of course, 20 years ago it was launched. Um, we'll talk about the celebrations at Malvern in just a moment. But John, for you personally, how did you get into Z ownership? Well, basically, um, when I first learned to drive, I learned to drive on an Austin Metro many years ago. Um, and after I'd had that car a number of years, I, I got an MG Metro. Um, and I had that for a few years. Um and then I went away from the MG brand completely with sort of like Rovers. I've always had sort of like Longbridge orientated cars. And um, so I had Rover Metros. Um, and then I bought a Rover 25. And and I think that was towards the end of 2001, I bought a Rover 25. And um, I remember looking at Zs while I was looking at Rover 25s. And I couldn't quite afford a ZR. You know, and um, so I had the Rover 25 for a few years and then uh, up to about 2005. And then I thought, right, well, you know, I'd, I'd like to get another car. And, you know, and I'd always like the looks of the ZRs and the Z range. And I thought, well, it's now or never really. Um, so I swapped my Rover 25 for uh, a ZR instead, you know. So it's so that's how it all started, really. Um, and that, that first ZR I had... I had for 11 years and um, I had no major issues with it at all, really. And um, and then uh, and now I've got the two that I've got now. So it's, uh, you know, and I really wouldn't really wouldn't want to know, wouldn't really know what to get next, actually. <laughs> 
Well, of course, in their time, they were wrapped up in the X-Power exploits of MG as well, which led them to race in LMP2 at Le Mans and go rallying and be in, of course, British Touring Car Championship. And that means that these cars make great racing cars as well. And, of course, there's a championship for them in the MG Car Club. They really do attract some really good grassroots motorsport, don't they? Yes, they do. I mean, it's like like you say, so like um, the Car Club has its own racing championship, the trophy championship for the ZRs, you know, and um, it really is a sight to behold if when you go to a race meeting and, and watch the trophy race because it's, cause it's like the, uh, you know, it's, it's like the highlight of the day for us, you know, so like uh, whatever we're doing around the, sort of like the racing circuit at the time, we'll, we'll always stop and watch the trophy races, you know, because, uh, you know, because when you, when you have a grid of, of 25, 30 ZRs, you know, you just have to stop and watch. And we've had some real talent come through that race championship and go on to big, brighter things in motorsport, haven't we? And it just proves it's such an affordable way of starting in the sport. That's right. You know, it's um, ZRs can be bought relatively cheaply, you know, and, uh, and make the ideal sort of like a first racing car, really. Mm, absolutely. Well, let's just talk about the Z260 just for a moment, because it is a car that I still, uh, I yearn to own, to be honest. It has got that beautiful V8 engine. Have you got enough of those in the Z register? And what are the owners like? How do they find them to live with day to day? We do have a number of owners within the, within the register. And um, I think for mo most people who own them, they certainly don't use them as an everyday car. I think, uh, I think there's like a principally a hobby car. And um, but it's always a pleasure to see them out, and you always know the presence of a T two sixty, even if you can't see it. <laughs> that's it. Usually by the petrol tanker that's following them around, and all those other jobs. Oh yes, but, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hopefully we'll see a few of them at Malvern for the twentieth anniversary celebrations. And I know this was an event that you had publicised as being at uh, a different venue, but it's now been incorporated into the big Triumph and MG weekend that's running as a collaboration between the MG Car Club and two Triumph clubs, the TR Register and the TSSC. Exciting event and an exciting opportunity to celebrate 20 years john what are the plans a lot of the plans that we'd made for our first venue that we we're, we're just literally transferring over to Mulvans, you know so it's um there's a lot still in the pipeline you know we're a few months away yet from the event itself but the plans had already agreed on as a register we'll be following through on the day and um and the final final details of what will actually be happening will be announced in due course brilliant well keep your eye on the news feed at uh, triumphandmgweekend.com that's where we'll announce the news as it breaks of how you can get involved with your Z in those anniversary celebrations I know in fact that one of the big halls there the seven hall has got the Z logo earmarked next to it and also there's going to be a concourse competition as well for those who really do like to polish their cars so that should be it should be quite competitive I think John it should be you know um, there's some very nice examples of Zs out there and it's always a pleasure to see them, you know, and credit to their owners for keeping them in such good condition. So if any of them fancy entering the concourse competition, um, then uh, that'd be absolutely fantastic. And a diverse and friendly bunch as well. And brilliant that, you know, in the same event, we're going to have 60th anniversary celebrations for the Triumph TR4, that Italian-designed British sports car, the MG Midget, of course, 60 years ago was launched uh, by MG, but also as a complete contrast right the way forward to the early 2000s, celebrating the Zs as well. There really is going to be something there for everyone, I think. Yes, definitely. I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend. Um, 
it's great that we can carry our celebrations over two days now rather than the original one day that we had planned. Um, but I think, I think quite literally at the Malvern showground that weekend, there'll be something for everyone. Can't wait. And can't wait to meet all of the different Z owners as well. They're a diverse bunch and those who use their cars every day to younger people coming into the MG world for the first time and to those who have owned their cars since new. And I know there's a few of them around, isn't there, John? That's right. One of our plans for our anniversary celebrations is we're going to have a specific area, people who have got 20-year-old Zs. Um, we're, we're calling it 51st Street. And like you say, some of those people will have owned their Zs since they were new so if there's anyone out there with a with a y-reg plate uh, z or a 51 plate z um then we'd be very happy to see you that weekend you know we've got a specific area john if you're listening to this and the zeds might just tickle your fancy a little bit push us over the line convince us that we should buy one why should we buy an mgz car even after all these years i think they're still fantastic looking cars i think mg rover got the the design and the styling just right and they don't really seem to have dated at all um they're still very affordable at the moment uh which is which makes it an ideal time to buy um as they become a little older um the prices will increase you know and they're fast becoming a classic car in their own rights get them now you've sold me john get your zeds now let's continue to save our zeds within the mg car club and let's look forward to those 20th anniversary celebrations at malvern in august 2021 the 13th to 15th of august in fact as part of the triumph and mg weekend details of which can be found on the website triumph and mg weekend.com or of course via the news pages at mgcc.co.uk where you can also find links under registers on there to the z register to find out more as well so uh, john thompson thanks very much for joining us thank you Wayne. subscribe to receive new episodes of the mg car club podcast at mgpodcast.uk